Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 547, The Fraudulency of Arson. Big Chillians, welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Eddie. Eddie, tell us about your softball losses this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, the batting, batting 1000 didn't last, I can tell you that. I think I had one hit across the two games and a walk, maybe, maybe two walks. And yeah, two losses. I did pitch two innings, only gave up three runs, which relatively speaking, pretty good especially as in the first innings inning of that game we gave up 16 so <laughs> great great inning <laughs> yeah yeah well it doesn't help when you know we, we don't have a, a huge number of players so we had to rely on our 83 year old pitcher to start that game off so he gave up about uh, i think he went for nine runs and only managed to get one out in that period uh, he took himself out once they'd completely gone round, they'd gone round, round their order and a couple more guys had got hits. And then he just, a guy crushed a, like a three run home run and he just walked off. Didn't, <laughs> announce, didn't announce really that he was subbing himself or anything. He just was. And then he sat on the sidelines and tried to calculate his ERA, which he put out like over 200, I think based on <laughs> like the nine or 10 runs with a single out. So yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the most spectacular performance. <laughs> but I also have to call out the Venezuelan team that we played in that game where one of the guys bunted against the 83-year-old pitcher, which was one of the most pathetic athletic performances I've ever seen. And I was playing first base, and when he got to first base, I told him that I was not impressed with the fact that he was bunting against an 83-year-old. What was his response? He was like, well, you got to play the game. You know, they're, they're, <laughs> he's right, they're he's very serious. He's not wrong. But keep in mind here, he bunted. He was probably batting seventh. So they had already got six runs. They already had six runs on the board. They knew they were going to win at this point. So pulling out the bunt, it was – and also, this is, there's not a lot of speed coming down. So even if you don't think you're exactly the best hitter ever, you should feel pretty confident. But they have a full-time coach. They give signals. So every guy in between every pitch – steps out of the batter's box to check the signals oh coming from the, from the third base coach, which again, drove me insane. I, I told our team, I was committed to the idea. That guy was the guy who wanted was playing first base. I said, if I am at any point running like towards first or rounding first, I was just going to truck him. I was hoping I was going <laughs> to have like, I was hoping to get a close, like a bang, bang play at first base where I could legitimately just try and run through him. And not have it look like I was committing assault, but it didn't didn't work out. As a lefty, all you had to tell me is just pull it, and I would have taken his face off. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't, and it got a little heated over the course of the game. Yeah, towards the end, one of our players was was telling uh, one of the opponents that he was happy to to throw down if he wanted to. So it was uh... <laughs> the eighty three year old pitcher. <laughs> no, tempers were a little bit frayed by the by the end. Nice. Well, I spent my weekend, Eddie, dealing with the uh, one of the perils of European society, 
and that is EasyJet. <laughs> okay, I would I would avoid I would advise avoiding EasyJet at all costs. Yes, but I well, understand but, sometimes but you sometimes don't have a it's the only flight, and you don't got much of a choice. So I was booking a flight, a one way flight through the EasyJet website. And when you pick the day, it gives you like a three day spreadsheet kind of. And I really wasn't paying attention and thought that like the one all the way to the left, the first one would be the day, but it's not. They put like the day you select in the middle and then give you like the day before and the day after. So I really wasn't paying much attention and just like clicked it because I thought, okay, that's like, that must be the day. Clicked it and then went through and, and booked it. And as soon as I booked it, I looked up at the date and then looked down at my sheet because I had written down like what day I needed to book and was like, oh shit. Now, most American airlines, if you make a mistake within like an hour, you can usually just get a full refund. They'll cancel it. No problem. EasyJet says, hey, you've got 24 hours to cancel your flight. And I'm like, oh, awesome. Click on it. It says for a charge of 50 pounds. The whole flight is 70 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I'm just getting charged 50 pounds for literally like just messing up one second. I mean, I noticed it within the minute. If you had timed yeah. how long, I probably could have. I could have canceled that flight before the minute. So there's, there, there's nothing. Wait, I'm not worse done yet. I'm that. not done yet. Okay, <laughs> this story is far from over. <laughs> so I was really, really pissed at myself because I normally don't make these types of mistakes. I'm usually like really good with bookings and with everything. Like I, I can plan out trips pretty well. So I was just really upset and it was eating away at me. So I. I changed the flight, bit the bullet, paid the $50 because I know EasyJet is notoriously terrible to deal with from like a customer service standpoint. So I was like, I'm not going to deal with like emailing them and arguing like, fuck it, whatever. 50 pounds. It is what it is. So fast forward to the next day and I have one other flight left to book. Also a one way. Also significantly cheaper through EasyJet than anything else. So this time I say fuck it, I'm not going through this piece of shit EasyJet website. I'll just go through Expedia and book it. Now, I had multiple tabs open <laughs> that were Expedia for the same flight because I was comparing flights. I then decided on the one I wanted, booked it. But the way the tabs had like had my account signed in, it had progressed the wrong flight through. So as soon as I clicked like pay and it was still coming up like uh like do not click out of this browser you know like and i as soon as i saw it i went oh shit i think this is the wrong one and clicked out of the browser that that message is bullshit because that didn't work because i got charged again now same day but just the time was wrong i'd picked the wrong time flight so now I'm super frustrated because in two days, I'm now just going to be giving EasyJet 100 pounds for me just being stupid and trying to do things too quickly and not being like paying attention because I had like 20 tabs open. So now I'm like, no, fuck it. I'm not. Di I'm digging in this time. So I go through Expedia and I call them 
again, like a minute into doing this. And I'm like, hey, I just booked this flight. Like for some reason, whatever happened, like it had the time right, but then it switched it. I think because I had too many tabs open, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I understand. Yeah, like that does happen occasionally. Like I see you're calling like you just booked this a minute ago. And I was like, yeah, I just fucking told you 10 seconds ago that I booked it a minute ago. Like stay with me here. So they're like, all right, you know, like since you just booked this, let me see what I can do and I'll try and cancel it for you. And then you can rebook the right time. Like, oh, awesome. Two minutes pass, I come back. Yeah. So because it's EasyJet, we can't do anything. (laughs) So you have to call EasyJet. So I'm like, oh, whatever. Like now I'm in like, fine. Fuck it. I'll call EasyJet. I call EasyJet. Time difference. They're not open. They're customer service. They're not. First off, they're not 24 hours. Second of all, they're not open because it's it's later here already. I call the next morning. I call them up. I'm like, hey, listen, I booked this through Expedia. I just booked the time wrong. Like I want the same day, just the early flight. I tried to call right away. You guys weren't open. And the guy's like, okay, uh, let me see. I can change that for you. And he's like, he's like, so he goes in. He goes, give me a few minutes. He goes for like 15 minutes. He comes back. He goes, so I can I can book you on the uh, the early flight, but it's a $50, 50-pound charge to put you on. And I was like, come on, really? Like, And he's like, you know, as a courtesy, this I don't do this often, but you know, like you sound like this was an honest mistake, so I'll waive the fifty pounds. And I'm like, oh, awesome! Like, I, I actually, I, I genuinely appreciate that. Thank you. He's like, no problem. Puts me on the right flight. So now I'm kind of pissed because I, I think like, had I done that the first time, I probably could have got that one waived too. But I'm like, whatever. I'm not gonna pick. Beggars can't be choosers. I'll take fifty pounds over a hundred. Five minutes later. I got a text from Verizon. You have used up your international phone calls and have a charge of $75. (laughs) (laughs) So just calling the customer service because those fuckers put me on a 15-minute wait. I ended up getting charged more by Verizon for resolving it than I did canceling it. (laughs) So now I got to call Verizon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is um, still to still to be done. Yeah, it's a but pretty who bad. Who has mistake. a customer service line that isn't like toll free? That's insane. Oh, that's pretty. Co- that's pretty common here in Europe. I, I understand it's common in Europe because that's because most European phones you can call anywhere. Like, as yeah, if no. you had a French phone, you could easily have called that, and you wouldn't have been charged. Well, I probably, I don't know, with EasyJet, I probably would have been, I would guess. Really? It's probably, yeah, it's probably just not a toll-free number. There are plenty of numbers here that for customer support. I In France, I deal with ones. They're not super expensive. It'll be like 15 cents a minute or whatever. But you, I mean, you're right. Like a customer support call can last an hour. Crazy. If you, if you really get in. And yeah, you can be, you know, you might not even, you could have a few euros racked up by the time someone even starts speaking with you. So... Yeah, that's, I mean, I will say that's a pretty spectacular sequence of mistakes on your part. Yeah, for <laughs> I sure. Think, I don't think EasyJet is really at fault for any of that, but. No, they're um, not. They're not. It's, it is my fault. But the 50, the $50 or 50 pound cancellation fee for canceling a minute after you it, accidentally book a flight, because obviously people must do that. Not routinely, but that ha- uh, that definitely happens. People accidentally book a wrong flight and instantly realize and not allowing people at least like 
a 30 minute window to make a change is insane. If you recall, actually one year, I mean, I've made that mistake before. If you recall one year in the Ascot trip that we do, which involves some Eurostars, I had booked the Eurostar tickets for a month later and we didn't realize that until the day we turned up at the train yeah. terminal and it's like, oh, these tickets are not for the right day at all. So yeah, it is. If you're not paying attention and because it's such a simple process, you don't feel like you need to be totally attentive, like going through picking, but it is pretty easy to like, while you're looking at your options to switch days or switch months or, you know, do something stupid and then not realize until it's too late. And usually you do have the kind of instant realization, like as soon as the payment's gone through, which is one of the worst feelings. Whenever, if you mess up any order or booking or something, it's like that moment, it always comes like, uh oh, I, I should probably check this. Uh oh, I've made a very big mistake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. So, well, I didn't have to deal with customer support yesterday, though, after going out for some drinks after softball, did take a taxi ride home. And first time in a while, actually, I've taken like a real taxi in Paris and not an Uber or a Bolt or anything like that, actually like hailing a cab and getting in it. And the guy drove just going home and he was like, okay, we're here. I was like, I don't, we're not here. <laughs> and then kind of got out because, you know, sometimes when you're approaching something from a different angle, it's like, oh, we might just be like one street around, like just around the corner. And we weren't miles away. I knew, you know, he hadn't gone in the wrong direction. So I was like, okay, we actually might be pretty close. I kind of hopped out of the cab to kind of get my bearings, at which point I was like, we're still, it's like a five minute walk. So I'd rather you actually took us the full distance, please. And he was like, okay, uh, okay, yeah, you can, you can just get back in. I'll drop you off. I kind of went to open the door and he just sped off. <laughs> just, he was you should have held gone. on. <laughs> and to be perfectly honest with you, it angered me so much that I seriously contemplated. I knew where the like nearest taxi stand was going to be. I was like, there's a very high probability he's there. And if I'd seen I want to, I would have just like ripped his wing mirror off. I was like so, <laughs> so annoyed with him. It was just like, why on earth would you do it? Just if you'd even just told me it's a five minute sorry. walk. Just, yeah. Sorry. Like I would, that would have been fine to me. The fact that you're like, yeah, hop back in. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> I wish you were like partially in. <laughs> and he flew and he like flew out of the taxi. That would have been so funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As he like rip his door panel off. <laughs> yeah, it was it was uh Wow. They should call upsetting. it easy taxi. <laughs> yeah. And no customer support number to call to complain. <laughs> but where do we start then with a oh various Sporting updates and events. I actually, speaking I, about complaining, okay, I, I maybe have a topic that, that helps us transition into the world of sport, but also allows me to rant slightly about something. So I don't know if you've seen, but uh, Bournemouth Premier League Football Club are having a documentary made, like one of the follow the team documentaries okay. is coming out. So uh, with a very... Very also highly likely that it will feature Michael B. Jordan because he is 
an owner, like an investor in Bournemouth, in this world that we're now creating where yeah, yeah. every professional sports team has to have a famous actor or musician involved so that you can also get free promotion through their notoriety and existing social media channels. Burnley also have a uh, documentary that will be coming out that's followed them, (laughs) but follow them this season. So we might get JJ Watt starting to appear, I guess, over the course of this season as he is kind of started to formalize his ties, but it was following their promotion back to the Premier League. I think I consume about as much sporting content and live sport as probably I'd put myself, I'd go toe to toe with most people in the world in terms of just how much I consume. I don't think we need more inside team sports documentaries. I think I just too much for me. Like who? Yeah. I mean, I stopped watching hard knocks after like the fourth season because it just became the same thing. You, they, they'd focus on the players that were being cut one really, really quirky player. Like that was always, they always had to have that guy who just had some really weird shit going on that they would like try and focus. And then obviously the head coach, but then also one of the assistants who is also quite quirky. Like that would be another thing. And then like it got kind of boring after a while. Like, yeah, I get it. Athletes are dumb. Like you don't have to show this to me every week. (laughs) No, yeah, it's just, you know, it was a novelty to get to, to be able to see inside how professional sports teams works at first. Like, and that was cool because that kind of all access to the behind the scenes. And it's not really all access because it's obviously edited and they're not going to put in from like, if something was truly controversial or bad for them, they wouldn't be putting it in the documentary anyway. So if it were a live stream, I might get more on board with it. But I think... Do you, do you think the last dance really ruined this? Because how, I think the last, how successful it was? Yeah, probably. I think everyone's now trying to recapture that magic and you can't because a that was you know access to the type of access we thought would never have been possible to that team and those you know like Michael Jordan and other legendary players who also had an a very genuinely interesting set of personalities involved and then also it came out right at the start of the pandemic so you know p- people didn't have live sport in their lives. And also you just had this sort of semi-literally captive audience who, you know, then everyone was watching it. I just think, I mean, if you're a Bournemouth fan or a Burnley supporter, then maybe this is interesting. Yeah. Like if they did one about Blackburn. Yeah. If they (laughs) did one about Blackburn, I'd of course watch it, but I have no interest in watching. Oh, let me see what Vincent company is truly like as a manager. I don't need it. Ah, I can kind of, I'd be interested for 20 minutes of that. Sure. 20 minutes. And then now you've got another 20 episodes to go. I've got a side question for you. Actually. I was, I was literally thinking about this the other day. We talk about Nepo babies. Do you think there's any reason for Michael B. Jordan's success in the fact that his name is Michael Jordan? I think it helps. Yeah, I think it certainly helps you to remember. Like, I don't think I would have remembered him as well from The Wire or from Friday Night Lights had his name been Michael Smith. Thomas J. Thompson. 
<laughs> yeah, I think the Michael B. Jordan. And I also think, like, I'm sure he gets tired of being asked about it. I mean, I don't think that happens, but certainly early in his career, he was asked a lot about it. But yeah, I think it, yeah, I think it, having anything that just plants a seed in people's mind is beneficial. And for him, it was just easy to remember who he was because he shared his name with a super famous person. Yeah. I really think it, it's, it's slightly helped. And he must have kind of thought the same, right? Because, okay, they threw the B in there for some distinction. But if you'd really thought that was going to hurt you in any way, you would have just changed your last name as, you know, from an acting perspective, he would have Martin Sheened it. So, you know, he could have gone by Michael B., you know, Jefferson, and no one would have ever thought anything of it. Yeah. But also talking then. Oh, I, was I, gonna, I, I, had, I had a trivia question for you on Michael B. Jordan. Okay, you know, his first me. ever movie role. Uh, I can't think of anything. I can't remember seeing him in anything before The Wire. So, no. I can't, I can't remember the first movie I can, that I actually, I'm assuming it was him in, uh, is it, okay, how old is he? So it'd be something mid to late nineties, a kid's film, is it? It is 2001. 2001. Is it like a, a kid's movie? Not kid's uh, movie, but like in the way that Mighty Ducks children. would be. Yes. In the way that like Mighty Ducks yes. would be a kid's movie, not a. It's a little more serious than I think the Mighty Ducks. But very yeah. similar, along very similar lines. Remember the Titans? No. I'll give you the tagline from the movie poster. The most important thing in life is showing up. Most important thing in life is showing up. No, I've not got it. In order to repay his debts, he is told by a corporate friend that he must coach a baseball team of troubled African-American fifth grade kids from Chicago's ABLA housing projects. I still can't get it. Hardball. Come on. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it. It is literally the Mighty Ducks baseball version. Yeah. Except I've never instead seen of, it. I think, I think uh, Emilio Estevez was drunk driving and this is, is gambling. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He had a DUI. Yeah. Um, but also staying on the theme then of ownerships, I, I've had my rants about Wrexham. Uh, I'm sure you saw that there's been a slight setback in Ryan Reynolds' attempts to expand his sporting empire because he's trying to get into the NHL, trying to buy the uh, part of an, a group trying to buy the Ottawa Senators, and yeah. their initial bid has failed. The thing that I find interesting about this is he's now open to the idea of joining some of the other cons like consortiums that are trying to buy the team. And in the same way that I've probably had too much of the TV shows about sports teams, I think I've had too much now of sort of tagging on a celebrity as part of your attempts to buy a sports team. Like, and if Ryan is, is, I will have had too much of Ryan Reynolds pretty soon. If this is now, I'm just going to have to live with, oh, and now Ryan Reynolds is also part of the group that just bought the Jacksonville Jaguars and oh Ryan Reynolds is now part of the group that just bought like too long rugby club and if this is just what he's going to do every couple of years 
I also think it takes away from the Wrexham story as well. Yeah, I think it takes it away from in two ways. One, because he's going to have to if you if he is involved, he then has to like you kind of lose out because he has to promote both. And so, if you're not in sort of inherently interested in in one of the sports, you now have to decide like which Ryan Reynolds sporting story am I going to follow? And also because yes, this idea that they had to buy it because it was such a special and unique place. And like, this was, it's just like a kind of calling and uh, we wouldn't want to be anywhere else. And it's like, well, like, but I also would like to have an NHL team and Hey, look, some major league baseball teams are coming up for sale. Uh, you know, why don't I get involved in that? I don't know though. I, I, I can't really fault them because if I had enough money and I could have fun, one of the things I probably would do is just buy a bunch of different sports teams that he could go watch games whenever, like, you know, be in, involved or uninvolved as you want. It's probably fun. Yeah. But, but yes, you know, I, I would probably do kind of the same thing. So I, I do agree. I can't be overly critical of him, but yeah, it just, just feels like there will, there will be diminishing returns because, you know, He's not going to have the same, you can't have the same level of impact every time you get involved in a project. Like at a certain moment, then the, the, I'm going to use the word novelty yet again in this episode, but the novelty of having, you know, like Ryan Reynolds' unique way of promoting something at a certain point, it won't be unique because it's like, yeah, we've seen you do this. You, you sold us a mobile phone network. You sold us a, a gin. You sold us a football club. Now you're going to sell us the, you know, like everything. And at a certain point, we, we've had enough of Ryan Reynolds selling us stuff. So, Eddie, I would like to transition into the Premier League. And I have a, a, a question for you. So, Arsenal lost to Brighton 3-0 this weekend, pretty much putting the nail in the coffin. Frauds. Wait, stop. Just, just <laughs> let, me, let me finish here. Um, putting the nail in the coffin of any chance of of winning the Premier League, which was pretty slim to begin with because they were giving a four-point cushion to to City. But my question to you now, this is, let's see, in one, two, in their last seven matches, they have two wins, three draws, two losses. So when it mattered most, they've kind of crumbled. My question is this just them as a team kind of coming back to earth, kind of coming back to their average? And, you know, we just saw just a, a, a weird version where they were kind of always winning, 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 and now they're just coming back to their norm. Or is this demonstrating that they just don't have the experience or just the mental capacity I don't want to say capacity, but like the mental toughness to win when it matters most and that they're just not suited to win these big matches under the bright lights like a team like City does that they've done it before and they have the players that have done it before. What do you think? I think it's both. I do legitimately feel like they're frauds at this point. I think they rode their luck for 80% of the season whenever they needed you know the bounce of the ball pretty much but that wouldn't that wouldn't define them as a fraud though what because a fraud would be a team that you know like they looked like they were good but then when they just played better teams they weren't this seems to me i'm leaning more towards the second where they're just not 
they can't handle the pressure. No, it's more than that. That's not being a fraud. No, because I think they also uh, look like they were good and they weren't. I think City or okay. I think Arsenal are probably the sixth best team in the Premier League. <laughs> oh man! I think I, I shots. Fired. I genuinely think United are better than than them. I think Newcastle are better than them. I think Liverpool are better than them. City are obviously better than them. I, I, you know, so and then after that, like I don't think there's much difference between. I don't think there's much difference between. I mean, they they did just beat Newcastle last week. Yeah, they did, but Bright. I don't think Brighton are better than them, but Brighton just wipe the floor with them and you <laughs> you know and you could make a you could make a case that i like i don't think there's actually a huge difference in in a lot of respects between brighton and arsenal but i think they are and the, the reason why i really think they're frauds is because we've had to live for seven months with arsenal fans telling us no no, no we really are this good and also every arsenal fan i know pretty much without exception has also not only told me they really are this good, but also said, you know, I had a sneaky, I had a feeling we weren't that far away. You know, like I, I did think, you know, a couple of, you know, two or three additions to the squad. And, you know, we have these young players. And they were going to meet, make the leap at some point. And Arteta is just such a good manager. Like, you know, even last season, you could kind of see it building. You could see it there. I don't think they'll be in the Champions League. I don't think they'll finish in the top four next season. Wow. I think this is it. Arsenal fans, hope you enjoyed it. This was it. We're, we're, we'll see you again in 20 years. It was it was nice having you there. You know, before before we know it, Saka will sign somewhere else. Look forward to watching him play for, you know, Manchester City or Manchester United or someone else in three, two, three seasons time. Odegaard will probably go back to Real Madrid or somewhere. You know, it'll be cool. And you'll have you know, all these players, all these other young players you kept telling us were super exciting. They'll just be, you know, bang average Premier League players who help you finish fifth or sixth. <laughs> this is it. Already predictions for next year. Yeah, I'll make this other really bold prediction. Manchester City will win the Premier League next season. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and lock in City win the, win the league next season and Arsenal out of the top four. And replaced by Liverpool? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not willing to say I'm going to put Newcastle in the top four next season just yet. I want to see what they do in the summer. Um, and I'd also want to see what Chelsea, and in particular Chelsea, because I'm willing with Chelsea to say that this season was just a complete nightmare for them and that they've made tons of mistakes and they signed too many players. They've changed their manager too many times. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. I'm willing to believe that given a complete off season to prepare to get rid of some of the dead wood that's in their squad to kind of have a manager in place who can put a real plan, a real tactic, a real style there and who's competent. So if that's Pochettino, for example, to do that, I'm willing to believe that Chelsea could be in the top four next season. I, but I, it is more likely to me for me that Chelsea finish in the top four, then Arsenal finish within 15 points of first. Well, Chelsea are, do have a game in hand, but how, what's just as the, the table is now, how many teams have scored less Premier League goals than Chelsea this season? 
Um, oh gosh. Uh, so Southampton, definitely. <laughs> Southampton. Yes. So Chelsea have 36, yeah, which is not many. Southampton have 31. I've got the feeling that Leeds have probably scored more goals than them. That's a nod from Frank. Significant. Yeah. So I'm trying to think. It's it's not going to be many have scored. I'll say. So far we've got one team that scored less. <laughs> I'll say Everton have scored fewer goals. Everton, yes. 32 goals. Are there any more? Trying to think teams at the bottom. I'm I'm assuming Leicester have scored more goals. I think Everton I think um uh I think uh I think West Ham will have definitely scored more goals. Barely. <laughs> Nottingham Forest is a tricky one. I'll say they scored less. They scored the same. Okay. So I'll give you And that. Chelsea have a game in hand. Yeah. Okay, so which means fucking nothing. <laughs> if they can get a goal, then uh, who they could, but will they? <laughs> wolves haven't scored many goals. They don't. They, yes, don't, con- they don't concede a lot, but they've only scored thirty. Yeah. And that's got to be it, because I would that's pretty it. much every team above them must have scored. Three clubs have scored less, maybe four. Yeah. No, I mean there's there are real issues there for sure, but you know there's just so much money. And there are talented players within that squad, and you know more talent will come. So, you know, I think they will. They're not going to be this bad next season. Put it that way. And they're going to benefit from the thing that Arsenal benefited from this year. And we've mentioned it on the podcast previously. And I don't think people place enough. It gets discussed, but certainly in the second half of the season, I don't think people place enough significance on the fact that not playing Champions League football makes it easier for you in the league because you can happily play a B team in other European competitions without your fans being too critical. No one really cares. Like when Arsenal were knocked out of the Europa League, no one cared. You're not going to be criticized for, you know, losing to a team that you probably shouldn't have lost to. And it's a huge advantage to not have those added challenging fixtures to not have to play your best players in midweek games and, you know, I think that's what's so impressive about what City are doing at the moment. It's with having to rotate their squad a bit. You know, the team that played this weekend was radically different from the team that played against Real Madrid, and they don't miss a beat. You know, I said, when you asked me, you know, could they slip up, I said the only way I could see it is if, like, the matches when Kevin De Bruyne doesn't play and they sometimes look a little bit disjointed at the results and, you know, he wasn't there, he wasn't starting and, they looked fine. So, and now you have to assume, like, I mean, they could play any, they can rest them all. Like Erling Holland probably doesn't need to play another Premier League match this season. So, you know, if, I'm sure he will, but it's, and it's just kind of pathetic in the end. The fact that we're now got City just walking. And I will also, I mean, we've, it's something you also said multiple times. We also don't give enough credit to City for multiple years in a row and Liverpool in previous seasons for just getting into the final 10, 11 matches of the season and just winning them all. 
because it's it looks so easy and on paper they should do it but history would tell us that's not what teams used to do teams used to do what arsenal were doing it's just that arsenal would have probably got away with it in you know 15 years ago because the team they were up against would have also slipped up multiple times and in the case of arsenal this year not only has it seen them blow their lead it's seen them now multiple points behind city and city do you know like get a on paper tricky fixture against chelsea this weekend and it just doesn't matter (laughs) no it doesn't doesn't matter at all to them because i also don't think arsenal are going to win all their remaining matches anyway so you know do do city need even another point to win the league (laughs) who knows maybe not so i saw a pretty good stat or stats i should say um with city about to win the league that would mean phil foden will be a five-time Premier League winner at age 23. Wow. That's incredible. Because then... You think that's incredible until I tell you this one, which I know you're not going to like as much because you think so highly of the Premier League versus other leagues. But Kingsley Komen... With Bayern Munich. 27, 27 years old has never lost a league title in his career since 2012. Yeah, it's not as impressive. It's still very cool, but it's not as impressive. So he'll be, he if Bayern Munich can win, that'll be his 11th straight league title. He has never lost since he's moved into the the top tier. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's very cool and that's so to be able to say that is impressive. But yeah, it's not this because I mean, then you the real question I'd say, what's the over under then on how many Premier League titles Phil Foden wins over the course of his career? I, you have to. I don't see him ever leaving City. So he's twenty I, I, until until he can no longer perform at that level. Cope. So he's yeah. he's twenty three. You have to you, you'd have to set the over under thirty. You'd have to set the over under at least five point five. What more years he plays? More Premier League, more years they win. More Premier League title he he wins. Not sp- I would say ten. Does he get to ten? Well, that's five point five, right? Because he's won five, yeah. so that would say does he win? It's like I'm saying, does he get to eleven? I I think he because he certainly wins at least three more. Yeah, it's crazy. The thing that could get in is, I, I mean, he could leave. I could see a scenario where he gets a big transfer to Spain or something because he's that type of player that could interest uh, some big European clubs. I could see a situation in which he just, for whatever reason, I mean, if he went anywhere else he in the... fits the system so well, though. He does, and if he went anywhere else in the Premier League, you'd have to assume that that team then is, has overtaken City almost. So that would still bode well for him winning the, you know, if he, for whatever reason, decided it's time for me to go and join Chelsea, then that would mean Chelsea have made significant strides because he's not going to go there to finish sixth. Now, do you think, I mean, this is a, this is a great example to me as a player. Do you think he ever thinks all I care about is winning these Premier League titles or 
I am being slightly overshadowed here with how much depth and talent they have. When you think of like, oh, City won another title. He's not the top two or three names that come to mind. No, I mean, he doesn't. Maybe he's number three. No, I mean, certainly not this season. So name number one is Holland, right? Name number two would be De Bruyne. De Bruyne. After that, it's a, there's a there'd be a bunching a bunch of players, but I don't think I think you can make a case. For, I think Grealish is. You almost, make a case for him. I don't think so. I I obviously say Grealish, but we. <laughs> I think I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked if you said his name. I'll put it that way. So I think you'd. I think you'd definitely say this season, City success. You you give Grealish more credit. I think you get Morris. I think. No, I think they'd be on. I think he'd get above. I think Bernardo Silva would, would okay. Rodri maybe would you'd probably also say, and then the defensive question has become. I think John Stones probably people would yeah, give Stones. would give more. No one cares about defense. <laughs> would probably give more credit <laughs> to and defensively, that's probably it. Just because they've chopped and changed, like Kyle Walker hasn't been fit the entire season. Maybe Ruben Ruben Diaz, but I think it's such a. I, I I think Foden would be like eighth or ninth on the. How important was he to City this season? And I don't even think that's correct. I think that's where the average push, person would put him. But based on the fact that he's been in and out of the squad, and they have other players who, whilst I don't think they are as good as him, can kind of fill that role. The honest assessment is probably like fifteenth or sixteenth. I mean, Ederson kind of realistically has to be above him. It's just you don't feel like with City that the goalkeeper is as crucial because, you know, it's hard to say, well, they won 3-0 if the goalkeeper was so important. Like, there's just not as many moments where you feel like he's putting in match-winning performances. It's not really his fault, though. So I guess getting back to the question then, do you think – do you think that bothers him? Uh, he doesn't seem like the type of person, but who I think it's, I think most people, we all have ego, right? And even if you are the biggest team player, and even if you think that the way you want your career to be measured is in terms of real achievements and success that are done as a team on a team basis and not on an individual basis, because fundamentally most of your individual achievements sort of get forgotten over time. Like people do just remember how many Premier League titles did he win? How many Champions Leagues did he win? Like those are the questions that most people you kind of go to first when they are thinking about greatness. Even if you take at some point in time, everyone kind of wants to be a star, right? Like even if that star is, I want to have assists or I think he'd be frustrated probably that he's not playing as much as you probably would have hoped or expected. He probably then fears that, I mean, like the development of Jack Grealish, not only is Grealish kind of keeping him out of the city squad, Grealish could keep him out of the England squad, like the, you know, some, yeah. like starting <laughs> for England. Because it, as in the same way that City have so many talented wide players and fundamentally almost too many, England also do as well. And if he's not starting for City, how are you going to then start him for England? So you think he's going to switch countries? <laughs> yeah, that that ship has sailed for him, fortunately, from an England fan perspective. But yeah, I mean, 
I think it frustrated it frustrated Sterling, right? Like st part of the reason why Sterling left, you know, Sterling was frustrated that in his final season he wasn't the you know first player on the team sheet anymore. He wasn't the oh, I, I can just I know I'm going to be playing in all the big games. Like it's going to be tough in a way to be watching City play, like go to the the Bernabeu and play against Real Madrid and not be one of the players who start who's starting there like those are the matches you want to be involved in yeah or like they're there's a good chance they're going to be in the champions league final if if you're not if you're not starting that match it's going to frustrate you even but the alternative is to not even be in the match <laughs> yeah and that's the and i right and that's such a that's such a tough thing to weigh would you rather be there but maybe have 15 minutes of a potential impact or not be there, but have lost in the quarterfinals and played all 90. Yeah. Well, I mean, here, get to the end of this season. Let's say city have won the treble. Who would you rather be at the end of this season? Saka or Foden? One of them has been probably the most important player for a team that has seemingly overachieved and had all the accolades thrown. Yeah, throw it in there. <laughs> had all the accolades thrown his way over the course of that season about how much he's developed, how amazing he is, how he's one of the world's best players, one of the brightest talents in world football, gets everything, you know, regularly scores goals, regularly gets assists, regularly puts in match-winning performances, gets all of the attention that comes with that. And then the other one would be a player who probably didn't play as much as he would have thought or hoped, didn't do as much on the pitch as he would have thought or hoped, but is a trouble winner. Like some people would choose Saka. Some people would choose Foden. I think it, I'd probably rather be Saka to be perfectly honest. Fine. Yeah. But then I, part of that would be, I would be thinking to myself at some point I'll win things, which <laughs> might not happen. If you get to the end of your career, and you've had the Saka type career, but never won anything, then you probably would have rather been Foden. Like, you know, would you rather be, would you want to be Charles Barkley? Or do you want to be, I mean, you know, like you think of that TNT panel, Kenny Smith, who has two NBA titles. I'd rather be Barkley. I mean, I'd rather be Barkley because he's just more interesting. And, but you know what I mean? And Kenny Smith is not a good comparison in a sense because he just wasn't as, he's not as famous or as good. Like he was a bit part player where at least with, like the sack of Foden comparison, you're talking about two of the like the best young players in world football. Steve Kerr. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, Steve Kerr or Yeah. Who would you rather be? Charles Barkley. So I'd probably rather be Steve Kerr. <laughs> I'd probably rather be able to point to my game winning shot in an NBA finals over I was the best player on my team most seasons. You know, like but who knows? And and look, Saka hopefully wins something at some point because hopefully he at least does it for England. Speaking of titles, of fresh on the heels of Napoli wrapping up Serie A, I guess we have to mention that Barcelona wrapped up La Liga yesterday with a win over Espanyol, which I suppose for them is a pretty satisfying in their Barcelona derby to be able to win. And some people say it's their fiercest rivals, but realistically, I think Real, you know, Real Madrid are their fiercest rivals. So, but certainly against your local rivals, nice way to win it. 
So one more European league title race. I was to say, um, you know, it's not secured. It's, it's a Bundesliga. <laughs> no, but I mean, and it's so strange because Dortmund slipped up when they, they kind of got their noses in front, immediately slipped up. And then since then, they look like a runaway train. They're unstoppable now. But now they need Bayern Munich to to make another mistake. Well, who also just won 6-0. So. <laughs> yeah, and you just feel like Dortmund missed their chance, that nil-nil draw in that Friday night match. I can't remember who it was against now. But then that was their chance. And now, you know, now we're going to... You know, I think you now expect Dortmund to win all of their remaining fixtures and Bayern Munich will remain win all of their remaining fixtures and Bayern Munich will just sneak another Bundesliga. Yeah. Or did I just Duca curse them with <laughs> Kingsley going? It may, it's true. they got to factor that in. I mean, if Bayern Munich are going to slip up this weekend, I think is probably the likely place. Can't remember their fixtures off by heart, but I think this is probably their toughest remaining fixture they are they are at home to leipzig so you know who are third in the table so that's as tough as it's going to get for them so if you're a dortmund supporter or if you just don't want bayern munich to win another bundesliga then i think you're gonna you're putting almost all your hopes in leipzig to be able to you know get something from that match which is a little bit ironic because of leipzig are one of the most unpopular teams in the Bundesliga because of the fact that they don't have, you know, we spoke about that 50 plus one rule. They kind of work their way around that fan ownership. So, you know, they're much, mostly hated, but I guess there's probably a lot of German football fans who are now hoping that they do something for the, the, <laughs> the good of the Bundesliga. Now, which sport do we go to from here? We've got a, couple of options i suppose we can dip our toes back into the nba a topic that we rarely discuss this time not really to talk about the playoffs which now we're set for the western and eastern conference uh, finals but i forgot about john morant <laughs> who having been suspended a couple of months ago for having a video emerge of him kind of throwing throwing a gun around Use a better word, brandishing, brandishing a, a firearm. <laughs> Another video's come out of him brandishing a firearm. How dumb do you have to be? I just don't get it. No, 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 Eddie, Eddie. Stephen A. Smith knows from the circles that he talks to that he is highly, highly intelligent. That is what Stephen A. Smith said about John Morant. It's funny, you know, because no one ever comes out and says... You know, I've spoken to people who around him, and he he is highly, highly he's dumb. An idiot. <laughs> Never comes out, and and it, it it also it is annoying that as part of any criticism, like there's no way to not be critical. Like what he's done, there's no other side of the story, right? It's not one of those. Well, yeah, but look at his from his perspective, or it's easy to make mistakes, or haven't we all done that or been there or whatever? Still. Every bit of criticism has to come with some compliment because no one's willing to burn every bridge. So it can't just be like, this is totally unacceptable. 
I actually don't think he should play another NBA game again in his career has to be like, no, no, no. He's a really smart guy, really like upstanding. You know, it's just this one element of his personal life. He's probably just surrounded by the wrong people. It's not him. It's all the people around him. So isn't he dumb for surrounding himself with the wrong people? Just just bad life choices, you know, comes from like the usual excuses, which maybe like fool me once with the first video and especially two months later to have the second video come out it's like okay you learned i mean i read one article in the athletic about it which was like all john Morant had to do from the first gun video was learn a lesson and it's the only thing he's failed to do and it's true it's like true it's in, <laughs> within a month yeah, it's like impossible he clearly hasn't walked away from that and thought i better keep my head down for a little bit or I need to really go away in this offseason and work hard because, you know, I was I was such a popular player. Now a lot of people won't like me. I need to make a great impression next season. Like, let's try and really focus on the important things. Nope, just in a car with a with a gun. Yeah, just doesn't make sense. Like, <laughs> I can't I can't get it. You can't be highly highly intelligent no. and fail that quickly because. No. <laughs> It would be dumb of him just to still have a gun. That that alone would be stupid. But how you're getting yourself recorded and having it posted to social media, that's even, like, that is the dumbest part of it. You know, like, that's, yeah. I just don't understand it. But it will be interesting to see what his punishment is like. Obviously, first time around, it was an eight-game suspension, which realistically was a six-game suspension because the Grizzlies had sort of suspended him internally for two, the first two games and the NBA suspension only came in afterwards. So it was an eight game suspension. It cost him $600,000 based on the paychecks he missed. Calvin Ridley suspended a whole season when he was out for a season and bet on games that he had no participation in, in a world where Gambling is not illegal in any way, shape, or form. And it was like a he got a whole. It was like a twelve hundred dollar bet, right? It wasn't even yeah a sizable chunk. John Morant has now twice brandished a firearm on live videos. Yeah. No, I think the suspend. I mean, I, I personally, I'd be disappointed if the suspension is anything less than a season. But realistically, I don't expect it will be that. I think he'll get like half a season. Maybe, yeah, like forty games. I just, and I don't know. I, I, I then also, I do feel sympathetic for the plight and the, the position this puts the Memphis Grizzlies in because we all want to be super principled when we're not really involved. But the reality, they just signed. Yeah, the reality is he's <laughs> one of the most talented young players in the NBA. He seemingly loves being in Memphis and playing for Memphis, which, you know, it's not the type of market that's going to easily attract free agents and superstar players. So. When you have one who enjoys being there, you kind of have to do everything you can to hold on to them. So it puts them in a really tough spot. And then I'm sure there's plenty of people there having meetings. It's like, we would love to make an example of him and really put punish him in the way that we think we should. But for the good... Nah, they'll Cleveland Brown. Yeah, it. but for the good of the team, we want John Moran to play the rest of his career for the Memphis Grizzlies and play as many games as possible. And... So I am sympathetic. If I were a Grizzlies fan, I don't know how I'd feel. Like I'd love it if they threw the book. I'd love it if he just this was the last time we ever saw John Morant in the NBA. But he's too good of a player for that. Speaking one other little NBA update. 
LeBron James in a career full of records and record-breaking achievements became the first player in the NBA in NBA history to make an all-NBA team in his 20th season or later. Fairly specific statistic because the list of players to have played 20 NBA seasons already makes it a relatively short list. And then to <laughs> made the all NBA list during that time. But I mean, it's still a phenomenal achievement. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy that he's been playing that long. I remember when he was in high school. <laughs> yeah, because we were in high school. <laughs> I mean that's that's the reality, right? Like I remember it because because that's where I was. Speaking of uh, notable achievements, one of your favorite players from recent NFL seasons, a player you'd love to be publicly critical of on this podcast, not for his off the field activities or who he was, but because of his terrible player. I'll give you a clue: former. Denver Bronco quarterback. Tim Tebow? Russell Wilson. Recent oh, seasons. oh, oh. No, no, I know, I know. Um, the worst QB in the planet, Drew Locke. <laughs> no, actually, it's with you saying Drew Locke and shows how many bad quarterbacks the Denver Broncos have had. Paxton Lynch. Oh. <laughs> this weekend managed to, he was benched in the XFL, which means he has the unique the achievement of having been benched in the NFL, USFL, CFL, and XFL. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. He's just running through the leagues and losing his job in the process. You know know what? He's probably laughing all the way to the bank. (laughs) Oh, no, sure. Yeah, he's done done better than either you or I, but he's running out of options pretty quickly. I mean, that leaves him... He's still got so right now what you've got the XFL and you have what's the other uh football league? This USFL. No, that's he's been benched from that already, so he doesn't have that one left. Oh, oh so he's, he's Arena. Arena football. Yeah, that's where he's gotta go next. That's pretty funny. I thought you were gonna talk about another quarterback who made an announcement. And that is Matt Ryan. Did you see this one? I did not. Matt Ryan. Joining CBS Sports as an analyst. Oh, really? Yep. He's going to be a studio and game analyst across all CBS Sports platforms. He posted it in Twitter and said, P.S. This is not a retirement post. Winky face emoji. (laughs) I will say I think he'll be good. I actually think he's got a bit of person. Like as far as professional athletes go. You look at his face, though, and it looks like he's he's got nothing no he looks like he should have like a he looks like a finance bro like he'd have a gilet on and be working on wall street and be you know telling you about how great his bonus was this year like he does look annoying but at the same time he does have a bit of personality about him i i don't think he'll just be a piece of piece of cardboard up there i think he'll you know be able to do something relatively interesting I mean, in February, he said he's still got a lot of good football left in him. But I guess he meant announcing. Yeah, watching. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> now, speaking of the Broncos, how long do you give? We, I'm amazed, actually. We didn't really speak about it in, when we were discussing the draft, but Riley Moss, 
who's getting a lot of attention as, you know, he's a rare, previously thought of to be exist, uh, extinct white cornerback in the NFL. It's, uh, you know, it's, I, I think probably if you'd asked us 12 months ago, I think both of us would have probably bet heavily on there will never be another white cornerback in our lifetimes. Did you see his comparisons? Was Jason Seahorn? Yeah. <laughs> do you think? Do you think he st- starts, and do you think he stays as a cornerback, or will this be like a transition to being a safety, which we see far more white safeties than well, we never see white corners. What do? What are your career predictions and projections for? Riley Moss, like you got a panic look through your face. I'm sure he's not really on your radar in terms of the draft research that you did, but just a gut feeling. What do you think? Will we see him establish himself as a as a white corner in the NFL? I mean, if he's good enough. He's good enough. I don't think. Well, I wasn't, color I wasn't asking for you to try and be. <laughs> oh yeah, we want to be, but you know, you know what I mean, though. History would tell us. The odds are. I was. I'm trying to look up his combine stats so I can get a better idea here. Okay, here I got. I got. A, I got his stats up. So he was a third round draft pick by the Broncos. He ran a four four five forty, thirty nine inch vertical, and a ten seven broad jump. Not bad. <laughs> he gets the Dukas. Four four five is pretty fast. He didn't do any of the benching or anything like that, so we don't know how weak he is. He looks. He looks like he could be a serial killer, but that's a different story for a different day. <laughs> Is that the thing that's going to derail his career? Is that your prediction? <laughs> yeah, that hair might. <laughs> no, actually, not. I have seen him play, actually, because he played for Iowa, and I've, I've watched a few of them, their games. Nothing standout-ish. I, I think he'll be okay. I Honestly, I think one of the main things for a cornerback is the speed. Like you can't be you can't be running a four five as a cornerback. You have to be in the four four range. So at least he's got that going for him. We'll see. At least he'll be easy to spot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he'll be the one who looks like a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> what else do we have from the world? Of- I've got a. I can test your non-sports knowledge a little if you want. Let's go for it. Okay. So uh, this was brought to my attention by a a movie podcast I listened to. But um, the National Research Group conducted a nationwide survey asking people to name up to five actors or actresses, but, you know, called actors, that would make them most interested in seeing a movie in a theater. They then compiled that list. Two questions. Would you rather guess who's on the list or would you rather me read the names and you tell me if you would see a movie with them? So I will, I'll do one guess and then you can just tell me the names. My only guess as to who should be the absolute number one, both. Wait, wait, wait. Is this, are you guessing it from your perspective or what you think? I'm saying okay. this person should I think this person should absolutely be number one 
and I also believe this person is number one. I don't think I don't think it's going to be fine. Though, but I'm going to say Tom Cruise. Oh, number okay. one. I think okay. the, anyone saying anything other than Tom Cruise, just based on the draw that we've seen he's had, and just the types of movies he gets into, which are the types of movies you probably want to see in a movie theater, which is like a consideration you have to have if you're, you know, answering this. He makes. Movie yeah, if you're answering these questions realistically, sure. you're not like. Well, I love this actor who's in these like art house movies, you know, like that's just. Which I thought that was going to be your number one no, guess. I'm smart. <laughs> All right. I, Do I make any other guesses of, of who's on the list? I can just read. I would them say off. The Rock. Well, Dwayne number Johnson. Two. How many? How many? How how deep are we going on the list? Twenty. So they let's did twenty. Say the top. Top ten. Um, who else would be in there? Got to do quick thinking. Um, Denzel Washington. Number five. Uh, oh gosh, got to think a little bit like action movie. And then trying not to think too much of like who's popular. Cause there's a temptation in a sense to almost like Pedro Pascal is like everywhere at the moment. So there's a temptation, temptation, but I don't think he would be, I don't, I don't think he's a right answer. Yeah. Also not movies. No, but he is in some uh, big ones. I wonder woman. too. <laughs> uh, yeah. Female Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson is not on that list. All right, then I've tapped out. I went for the. <laughs> okay. Tom Cruise, the rock. Number two, number three, Tom Hanks, oh. number four, Brad Pitt. Number five, Denzel Washington. Number six, Julia Roberts. Number seven, Will Osmakia Smith. Number eight, Leonardo DiCaprio. Number nine, Johnny Depp. Number ten, Kevin Hart. P- people are lying. P- pe- either to themselves or to whoever was giving the survey, because like, who for for who? Who do you think? Uh, I think people are lying about Tom Hanks. I think if that were the no, I think that's wrong. A Man Called Otto. Have you seen how much money that movie has no. made? It's about a grumpy old white man, and it's made like, an, like a crazy amount okay. of money in well, theaters. That's fair. Although there's not a lot of movies out at I, the moment. I do think I do think there is an older generation who will go see Tom Hanks movies. Uh, the one that really stood out to me. Say the list again quickly. Uh, Brad Pitt, Denzel Pitt, Washington, people. Julia Roberts, Will Smith, Leo, Depp, or Brad Kevin Pitt. Hart. People are lying because, like, how many? He doesn't even play leading. How many roles people anymore? do you know who saw Bullet Train or whatever that movie was? Like, that didn't draw people in. Julia Roberts or people are like, I don't even. Is Julia Roberts still alive? I don't mean that as like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> genuinely, is Julia Roberts ever going to be in a movie? When, what was the last movie Julia Roberts was in? I'm not saying that doesn't mean that she can't be a right answer because someone could genuinely say Julia Roberts hasn't been in a movie since 2009. So if she made another movie, I absolutely would go and see it. But I can't remember the last thing. I feel like the last thing Julia Roberts was in was like an Ocean's 13 or whatever it was. She was in Tickets to Paradise in 2022, and then Ben is back in 2018. So not much in the last few I haven't heard of either, and I bet you they didn't pull. Ticket to Paradise is her and George Clooney. Okay, yeah, I did hear about that one. And they like lived together for a while and stuff, and they did all their like cutesy interviews about how she wanted to adopt him or whatever. I thought you were going to say Leo. 
because I think in terms of when you think of an actor who will put out a good movie, chances are very high that if Leonardo DiCaprio is starring in a movie, it's going to be a good movie. Yeah. But again, you are right in the sense that that might not be a movie you want to go to the theater. Because like an honest answer would be like Jason Statham, because he's going to be in the types of movies you go to the movie theater to see. So if you like that type of movie or if you like Jason Statham, he, he is more likely to, to like bring you back to a movie theater. I'm not, I mean, Johnny Depp, I'm being on that list, I think is blasphemy. That guy hasn't had a good movie in 50 years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, certainly no real hits. I, I can't think of, I don't think I've ever seen a Johnny Depp movie in a movie theater. It actually would be interesting on that list. I don't know how many of those people I've seen a movie of theirs in a movie theater. I've never seen a rock movie in a movie theater. I've seen a Tom Cruise. Never seen the fast. Not in the movie. Well, he's not in him anymore, I guess. Uh, Not in the, I'm not in the movie theater. No. I've seen a, go back through the list really quickly. And I'll just give you a yes. No. Have I seen a movie of theirs? Tom Cruise? Yes. The Rock? No. Tom Hanks? Yes. Brad Pitt? Yes. Denzel? Yes. Julia Roberts? I think no. (laughs) Did you see Ocean's 12 in theaters? (laughs) No. No, and most of her movies are kind of like, I would have obviously had I been of a different age group seen Pretty Woman in a movie theater, but I wasn't, I wasn't going to go and see whenever that was like five. I wasn't the movie my parents were taking me to see. Will Smith. Yes. Leo. Yes. Johnny Depp. No. Kevin Hart. No, I don't think I've properly ever seen a Kevin Hart movie. I've seen bits of them. Like I've seen bits of the Jumanji, the new Jumanji. I might have seen Jumanji in theaters. <laughs> That's insane. It was <laughs> a low time for movies. Speaking of Kevin Hart, uh, after the Celtics eliminated the 76ers last night in the NBA playoffs, Jason Tatum, who had a, a standout performance in the game said special shout out to Kevin Hart. You know, I want to see him. I want him to still answer my phone calls. Even after today, no hard feelings. Obviously he's no hard or heart feelings. No hard. He didn't go for a pun. Yeah. Because obviously he is, you know, one of these Sixers Philadelphia fans that there seem to be a lot of famous people from Philadelphia do a very good job of attaching themselves to the sports teams. It kind of bothers. There's nothing else to attach to because Philadelphia sucks as a city. (laughs) Oh, it just kind of bothers me. It's like, why is that even a consideration? You know what I mean? Like, it just makes famous people and athletes like look like such massive suck ups. Could you imagine Michael Jordan eliminating a team from the playoffs and being like, you know, special shout out to Denzel Washington? I still hope he'll like answer my like beeper messages or whatever the fuck he would have said in you know 1991. So, anything else? Not particularly. You, you can be proud of me. I, I did watch another hockey game. I did watch. Uh, which one? I did watch 
Toronto get eliminated from uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. That hurt so much. I, I even to show how much I watched that game, I started watching that game in the third period. So they were two one down. They scored to make it two two, and I watched all of the third period, and I watched all of overtime. I even had to switch channels because the channel I was <laughs> wa- I was watching switched from the their game to like the Dallas Stars game. No, to like the <laughs> the pre Dallas Stars game, which is insane to me. Like even if that's scheduled, I don't know how. And I know that the issue with they the, don't do it in the U.S. They they like put the other game on a different channel. But this this blew my mind. That this happened. That's crazy. And I get it because NHL hockey playoffs, like overtimes, can last a while, even though it's next goal wins. And it did take a bit. I mean, it did take what probably added up to like 15 minutes of actual, like real time. But even so, couldn't believe it. Yeah, that that game hurt. They should have won that game, the Leafs. Especially in the beginning of overtime. They were dominating overtime. And then they got that stupid penalty. And that just completely changed the game. A very, it's, it's one of those penalties where like it is the rule, but it's very wishy-washy. Like like as like for those who didn't watch the ruling, like you can't, you can't put the puck out of play in your own zone. That's a penalty for delay of game. The player, the puck, was bounced up into midair and he like swiped at it and it hit his stick and went out of play in midair. So technically he's still in the zone. So it's a penalty, but like when the puck isn't on the ground, it's, it's really hard to try and put a puck out of play when you're swatting at it in midair. <laughs> and for our listeners who really, really don't understand by what you mean by out of play, it's like over the boards. Yeah. Over the boards off the, like out of yeah, the ring. Yeah. Completely. Play. Yeah. Because I think for a lot of people, it's even difficult to imagine what out of play in hockey really means. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough, and then that just completely changed the game after that. Like the fact that it even held on from there was impressive, but they just lost momentum. Speaking of Will Smith movies, though, I, I don't think I mentioned this on the podcast that I watched his. Did I mention that I watched his new movie on that's on Apple no. TV? The oh god, no, Emancipation. The one he directed. As well, or wrote, or produced, or something. As no well. idea. I, I didn't know anything about it other than it was like the Will Smith slave movie. This is all I kind of knew going into it. One of the worst movies I've watched in a long time. So boring. And I understand that it is a period in history and a topic that deserves considerable attention. And it's you know nice to see things made about it because sometimes it's easy to just you know forget certain moments in history especially when they're kind of uncomfortable. If you're going to make a movie about what is, though, quite a well-trodden path, like we've had very good movies in the last 20, 25 years come out that have dealt with slavery, you better do something like kind of interesting or different. And this was just, it just felt like a, a bad version of every slavery movie I've ever watched. And if they just like stolen some elements from all of those movies and been like, what was your favorite thing from 12 years a slave? All right, let's take those couple of beats and put them in this really. He did. He, uh, he co-produced it. 
But um, it's disappointing to hear because one of my all-time favorite low-key actors is in it. Who's that? Ben Foster. I don't know if I can... He's like the probably the lead white guy in the, <laughs> in the movie. It would be my guess. <laughs> uh, oh, not the Wrexham goalkeeper? No. <laughs> um, yeah, he's, yeah, he is the guy who is hunting Will Smith. He's like the master slave hunter. And by that, I mean master as an expert, not as in slave master, if you see what I mean. Although he is, I guess, yeah. technically both. But yeah, he is like the the super villain of the movie. Tracking Will Smith and his fellow escaped slaves down. Hmm. But yeah, don't go out of, don't, don't even bother watching it. I mean, it's a, fa- it's a famous director too. Guy who did Training Day. Well, doesn't want to put this one on his showreel or CV. It is funny sometimes when you look at directors and the movies they do and how, like, sometimes the movies just don't make sense. Like, for instance, uh, Antoine Fuqua, who's the director, he did uh, Training Day, Tears of the Sun, and then does King Arthur. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, everyone's got to get the check. And then like the Equalizer, Southpaw, The Magnificent Seven, Equalizer 2. <laughs> you know, like all these movies. He's got King Arthur and Shooter. The, the Mark Wahlberg movie. <laughs> like, it's kind of weird. Oh, I have one final little sporting rant that I forgot about. Having mentioned the XFL when speaking about Paxton Lynch, the XFL championship game took place this weekend. In it, uh, Luis Perez gave his speech pregame. I saw the clip, ESPN was promoting it heavily, in which he said, let's finish the damn game and we're world champs. Can you call, <laughs> your, can you call yourself world champs if you win the XFL? Like, It's already a stretch. I'm not going to be one of those people who like makes fun of Super Bowl winners calling themselves world champions or NBA winners. Like it doesn't, and we've already spoken previously about why the world series is called the world series, but that bit doesn't bother me so much because I think if you win the super bowl, you are dead. You are on the American football team that won the highest sort of most, you know, the climb the highest summit in your sport that year. But that's definitely not the case. If you win the XFL, so how can you call yourself? That'd be like me if if my team won the softball tournament this year, like being like, "Come on, guys! If we win this, we're softball world champs." <laughs> <laughs> I know that there are technically well, higher. technically it's slightly closer because they are national teams that you exactly. play in. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's 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 in many ways much closer, but it, you're the Parisian world champ. Yeah, we, you can't just <laughs> it doesn't winning a league doesn't automatically make you world champs. It, it bothered me. And again, I'm not trying to be one of those people who makes fun of Americans for calling themselves world champions for everything they win. That isn't the point. It's just, you you can't be, that's where the meaning of world champions is clearly completely lost. And it's just being used interchangeably with the idea of winning your the league or competition that you're in. That's pretty funny. But maybe the, maybe what he wants to do is he wants to then maybe challenge the Chiefs. 
but XFL rules. None of that pussy NFL stuff. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, the Chiefs would be an unfortunate one to, tr- to challenge for the XFL rules, right? Because they would be extremely well suited to the changes in in the XFL, right? Yeah. Like the ability to go for three. Travis Kelsey just go off on them. Yeah, the ability <laughs> to go for three points, the like the way they do the onside kick thing. They would just dominate that type of game. There'd be some reigning champs who it would be a little bit more of an issue. All right. Well, I guess with that, uh, we'll call it and uh, conclude another edition of this World Champ Podcast episode. (laughs) Sounds great. Talk to you later. See ya. Cheerio.